Stampede. Garner isn't 157, recorded 9-18-2022. even the most casual observer of American politics. The leader of the Democratic Party, President Biden, appears physically and even mentally impaired. It's a serious question whether the leader of our country is capable of making decisions of the most insignificant importance by himself. He may not even be determining what he says to the public when delivering a speech. That's a serious lapse in the continuity of power. The American people expect our president to fulfill his responsibilities and not be told by others what to say or do. The public votes for that, and not some anonymous group within the executive office of the White House telling the president what to think. That's not what leadership is about. The president, all presidents, are surrounded by advisors who offer opinions as to how issues should be handled, not actually telling our leader what to do or say if he's impaired. 
he has to be able to make the decisions on his own based on the facts given to him. I'm old enough to remember when Ronald Reagan was shot and wounded during an assassination attempt. General Haig, Reagan's chief of staff, announced to the press at the White House he was in charge, meaning, as many interpreted his words, that he had bypassed the regular order of succession to the presidency. He later apologized and continued his role in government as Reagan recovered in the hospital. In effect, what's presently happening in the White House is a slow motion of what took place when Reagan was shot. Biden may only be a puppet, and the people who have power are the ones pulling the strings. Now, that might not sound like too dangerous a situation if this were a different world. But there are pressing, serious questions facing America's preeminence in international affairs, not to mention America's domestic illnesses.
if Biden really isn't making the decisions in the White House, you have to wonder where the power actually lies. We could be facing a serious challenge to our military around the globe. And what used to be our alliances since the end of World War II aren't going to hold up. Things have gotten so tense that even the tiniest spark could trigger a military conflict reaching deep into this country. So it's clear, with our sitting president incapable of making a rational and measured approach, as our commander-in-chief of the military, the generals could make sure he doesn't get in the way when things start falling apart. As it is, there are many in leadership positions in our military who are dissatisfied with the social ideology pushed by the White House, the woke policies with LGBTQ military permissiveness could result with a high-ranking officer attempting to remove the president and the White House staff by force. Assassinations might be too strong a word to describe what some generals might resort to if our military are dealt a devastating defeat. Then again, the very people who are responsible for the protection of the president, the Secret Service, might be privy to information about the president and feel the need to protect the country against him. And assassination might also be too strong a word for what might take place. Of course, someone from the Energy Department representing the oil sector of the economy, might try assassinating the president for endangering the level of America's strategic petroleum reserves. Assassination is too strong a word, and that would never happen. Whatever, if Biden lives long enough to see the midterm election, he'll face the wrath of the Republican Party come November. And he knows it. About a quarter to nine My loving eyes Are gonna tenderly twine Around you 
about a quarter to nine. I know I won't be late, cause at half past eight, I'm gonna hurry there. I'll be waiting where the lane begins, waiting for you on needles and pins, and then the world is gonna be mine this evening, about a quarter to nine. tried to predict what our future will be. So when I suggest that an assassination of a president might actually take place, I'm not advocating any such thing. Just as I've said in the past, we can't consider ourselves part of a great nation when we have children killing other children in some of our schools. That clearly is an illness. And I'd be willing to bet we'll see assassinations or attempts at assassinations of leadership figures in our government before we have contentment with the people of this country. Now, to deny we're a violent people is to deny that building an economy of wanting more won't produce behavior that's dangerous to our well-being. Common decency and respect aren't what we find on the streets or in the homes of America. So the future isn't too difficult to predict. Back in the 1950s, when the American public elected Eisenhower to the presidency, a man credited with being part of the military victory in World War II, he warned us of the future danger of growing military-industrial corporations. And he was the general of the commander of the Allied forces in Europe. Today, we have the largest defense budget of any country in this world, with more than the entire budgets of most countries. And if you don't think that's reflected in how we live our everyday existences, then you're blind to the truth that it's making us secure. Because we aren't secure. 
when you have commercial aircraft with passengers aboard slamming into buildings like on September 11th, you've wasted billions of dollars on weaponry. No, you've been tricked in sucker punch so often you don't know what's up or down. And let me say this, there were generals who became rich working for defense contractors on the boards of corporations producing weapons to fight a 20-year war in Afghanistan. Well, you can bet your last dollar this country doesn't have a future with people being content. There are powerful forces that have shaped how Americans have lived for the past 75 years. Corporations that have determined the energy needs for our consumerist economy. And not the least of which are the oil and gas companies that have thousands of gasoline stations for filling up our combustible engine vehicles. 
Now, there are two possibilities related to the eventual elimination of oil to supply our transportation needs. First, there's clear evidence that the fossil fuel industry is affecting the climate. And there's reason to believe that's true. What exactly are the effects to both polar caps and the rate of melting to the glaciers is unclear. If there are other factors besides the burning of fossil fuels that are responsible, it's not clear what will occur if we stop using oil and switch to electric vehicles. We know historically the Earth's climate is continually changing. So if we in this country stop burning fossil fuels, how soon will we see a return to normalcy in our climate, preventing the melting of the polar caps? Well, I don't believe there's an answer to that question. And in fact, if we stop burning fossil fuels in this country, I doubt if it will affect the rate of change in the Earth's climate. The other possibility is that we and everyone else in this world are actually running out of fossil fuels to burn. I can say with a certainty that there's a finite amount of oil and gas buried beneath the Earth's surface. And this leads to the speculation about the future of using fossil fuels. No oil conglomerate, no country would ever allow it to be known that there's not enough oil to be found or used. So, in both instances, stopping the burning of fossil fuels in this country may not significantly return us to a normal climate. And we may have no choice in that matter, because fossil fuels may be running out everywhere. Like Elon Musk has said, our species may be headed for extinction like the dinosaurs. Like Biden said, we're at an inflection point. And that's probably true if we actually are running out of oil. And he's attempting to prevent wholesale panic by claiming we need electric vehicles because it will save us from the climate changing. The truth may be 
that the climate is changing with or without the burning of fossil fuels. And switching to an all-electric vehicle won't matter. I'm not an advocate for the oil industry. It's obvious oil has produced serious environmental damage, and most people know that. The natural world would be better off without it. I doubt whether we can halt the melting of the glaciers in the polar caps or stop the threat of climate change. I like to think of myself as connected to the natural world, and I believe there's little to say or do when trying to change our climate. The facts are electric vehicles aren't the answer. The consumerist world is against the natural world, and what we've done or built can't stop what has been happening for thousands or even millions of years. Our weapons used to defeat armies can't compare to the strength of the natural world. And this is my point. We've lost our meaning of who we are and where we came from. We've become arrogant and self-righteous, thinking we can take without a cost. We are the destroyers of the only thing that mattered. Tricked into believing our happiness was to be found in the profits we could make. Profits that were false. Profits that produced violence. No, we can't hide in elitism behind walls to our mansions or our palaces. No, there isn't any electric vehicle that can stop what the natural world can bring. We're just a blink of the eye in the natural world. And we thought we could do anything. But we couldn't see what was really important and what was a gift and what was beautiful.
This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard a cut of Henry Jackman's Discovery from the 1987 movie Predator. Then from a late 1920s recording, Lonesome Mama Blues by the Virginians. Next, the 1935 Bert Ambrose's British Dance Band recording, about a quarter to nine, followed by The Ostrich Walk, a 1928 recording featuring Big Spiderbeck on cornet, then a shortcut from Jackman's Discovery, and closing with a cut of Pino Donaggio's Ruby Red from the 2013 movie Trauma. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.